bow your heads with me for a moment. I, the young lady who just said, sang that song, um, Aaron, is actually very, very sick. And she's been sick for a long time, and she's going to have a long road ahead of her to get well. And I know that song took a lot for her to do tonight. I want to pray for her. I've been praying for Aaron every day for five years. So I'd like you to remember Aaron in your prayers every day. I hope she doesn't mind if I say this, but she has a very, very severe case of Lyme's disease. And it's gone systemic. And it's going to be an extremely long road for her. Amongst other health issues that she has. She has four children. She's a gem. She's like a daughter to me. I just thank you tonight, Lord. You understand the weariness of your people. And you understand the difficulty that every single person in this room, whatever it might be, that they're going through. You are our home. You are our refuge and our fortress. You are our health. You are the good in our life when our bodies break down. When life doesn't go as we hope or as we expected. And I just want to thank you, Lord, for Aaron sharing that song with us tonight and and giving so much of herself. And I ask you, Lord, that you'd be with her. I ask you, God, that you would heal her. I ask you, God, that you'd use the processes that she's going through now. They're intense. She's been extraordinarily fatigued, tired, and in a lot of pain. And I just ask that you'd be with her in a special way. And that you'd restore her health and her vitality and her vigor. Because it's very, very difficult, Lord, without your hand in her life at this point to get rid of this. We ask you, Lord, tonight that you'd speak to our hearts. And help us to understand the grand purpose that you have for every single one of us who know you. Help us to understand, dear God, the deep, purposeful meaning of our lives given to us by God. Work in our hearts tonight, I pray, Lord, in Jesus' name, amen. Oh, boy. I have many of you on my heart tonight. We have a lot of folks suffering. Praise God he meets us in our suffering. Or we would die in it. I want to start a series tonight that flows right from the last series that we finished, which was the gospel. And flowing right from that series and right from the very truth of the gospel is the missional life. It is the gospel that defines our life. Not only does the gospel of Jesus Christ transform our lives, not only does the gospel of Jesus Christ give us every possible blessing for all of eternity, even though in this life our bodies may suffer, we have new bodies coming, 
that will never grow tired, never grow sick, never diseased, never grow old, in a brand new eternity given to us by God. New heavens, new earth, in the presence of God, in perfect love at all times, no jealousies, no stupid suspicions, no mistrust, no division amongst the body of Christ, no pain, no sorrow. We have all of that going for us. And we have escaped, through the gospel, the wrath of God. That's a profound thing. You may not understand it. In fact, most Christians don't even want to think about it. But the Bible says clearly in Ephesians that except for the mercy of God, we were by nature objects of God's wrath because of our rebellion and our chosen wickedness in our lives. And Christ saved us from all that. Christ saved us from all that. If we did not have a missional God, if we did not have a missionary God, we would not be saved. Have you ever thought about that? Jesus is a missionary God. And He came here from the Father. And He left this perfect, extraordinary environment. And He gave it all up. And he gave up his rights and he gave up, in one sense, his deity. His right to be treated as a deity. As the one and only God. And he came and lived among us as a slave. And he served us. And we're going to get into that in this series. And what does that mean? But I want to start out by making the statement. It is absolutely impossible to effectively and meaningful live your life if you have no idea what God's purpose is for you. When you have no sense of your life's mission and calling, you are destined to a life of frustration and selfishness and a life of no real joy. I know many Christians, many Christians that struggle with all kinds of inner turmoil and discouragement and at times despair and and all of us are going to go through at times as believers of discouragement. All of us. I don't want you to misunderstand what I want to say here. But many people go through it day after day after day. Do you know why? Because they are living for themselves. And I'd like to use a little illustration, and I'm going to be very careful to explain, explain this, so no one gets the wrong idea. But I want to ask you young ladies uh, this morning, or this evening, particularly you young moms, how many of you young ladies have found that since becoming a mom, you live your life differently than when you were a single woman? Anybody? Anybody have the courage to raise their hand? Moms? <laughs> how many of you found, you just discovered that Wow, this is, this is a lot different than my life was as a single woman. And to be honest, have you not also discovered a richness that you never knew even existed before you became a mother? My daughter, um, who Jeremy was, goes to the prison, She's just this little, I was looking at her tonight, I'm just, I was picturing this when she and Jeremy wrote me the story, because I pray for them every time they go on these, and so she's like five foot two inches tall, <laughs> you know, and just this petite little thing, mother of five children, 34 years old, in this hardcore prison, I'm just picturing my daughter standing in front, you know, this petite little thing, 
She posted on Mother's Day on her Facebook. Here is my Mother's Day verse. I will gladly spend myself and all I have for your spiritual good. My mothering verse. So blessed to spend myself on five precious souls. My question to you is who are you spending your life on? And who are you spending your life for? I don't know if you've ever been around a mom of five or four or three or two. Or it can be your first. But boy, your life just sort of got taken over, didn't it? It's just sort of like from dawn to setting sun. And, and you know, there's a unique thing about many of our moms here that you may not know. So I want to say it so you know it. Don't take it wrong. Almost all of them are stay-at-home moms. In other words, they have immersed themselves in motherhood. And I've gone over last summer after my Celeste number five was born, little Caroline. Celeste had some complications that came out of nowhere. And so she was, um, well, it was very, very touch and go. And after she got out of the hospital, and then she was home. So I went up and played Mr. Mom. And I'm just like, I enjoyed it. I really did. But I'm like, wow, wow. It just doesn't stop. You know, they're just, you're always serving. You're always giving all the time. And yet, does not the Bible tell us that it's more blessed to give than to receive? And I have watched her because, you know, I'm her daddy. So I've known her since she was just, you know, this big. <laughs> Used to carry her around in my arms. She's just my, my first, my pride and joy. Her thick black hair. I remember getting her first shots. I don't know if it was, I forget what they were. I'll probably say the wrong one, so I won't say them, then I won't look like an idiot. But anyway, after about two days, and they kind of sort of give you the illness, but not. And she just sobbed uh, like this painful cry, out of control uh, for hours. And I, and I, you touch her little leg where she got the shot, and it just hurt. And I carried her on the pillow with tears streaming down my face, just walking back and forth. It was the only thing that would sort of soothe her. And now I look at her, I'm like, this, what, what a woman you have become. My gosh. Five children, home educating them. All the little things you got to keep track of. All the meals you got to prepare. All the diapers you got to change. All the clothes you got to wash. And now, her life in one sense has a mission that, of course, Celeste also helped me start the rock. And she understood growing up in our family what it means to be on mission. But now it's really a focused mission on her husband and her five little ones. And it's give, 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 give. And I can testify it's the greatest joy in her life. There is no greater life than living your life on mission to win the souls of others, to serve the souls of others, to serve their lives. Now, I want to make this clear. I wrote this down so I'd make it really clear. I am not saying, ladies, that a woman's life is wasted until she has children. That's not what I'm saying at all. Or that a woman with no children is inferior. I am simply illustrating the power of the focused missional life of laying down your life and serving other human beings. And I'm going to be really honest. I think you've been... Sex and the cityized. I really do. I think you've been infected. I think we all have. 
I think we've been infected by friends. I think we've been infected friends, the show. I'm talking about a culture that simply lives for itself. Lives for itself. We just want to have fun. And I can't even begin to tell you, you moms are discovering this. You remember, you look back and you think about some of your girls' nights out, some of the things you did, and none of it compares to the meaning and the purpose that you are experiencing now in your soul with that little three-year-old. And as you watch, as you've laid your life down for them, and you see them begin to grow and begin to catch things, they begin to understand. And that's what it's like to live for God's purposes and see disciples raised up. That's what it's like to lay down your life to see other broken people come to know Jesus Christ and sacrifice yourself and pray for them and serve them and see them come to the family of God. When my wife and I um, first... uh, we were courting and then we got engaged and we knew we were going to be married. <clears throat> the scripture is our book. I was out in my garage this morning very early praying. <clears throat> and recently, because I've been praying louder than normal, <laughs> because there's a lot of things to pray loud about. <clears throat> and I'm afraid some of the neighbors would wake up at 3.30 in the morning when I'm praying. And so I've been walking around my van in the garage. <clears throat> And I was thanking God this morning. Lord, not only do I have a woman who loves the Word of God, but I have a woman who believes the Word of God. And I have a woman who obeys the Word of God. Not just a book to her. And at the time, we were um, reading the King James Bible once in a while. And there's a verse, one verse. Just leaped off the page. My middle name is Stephen. May have been why it captured my attention. But it says, Paul writes, You have heard of the household of Stephanus and how they have addicted themselves to the service of the saints. And I remember with Kathy right there, said, This will be our addiction, our fix, serving the people of God for the rest of our lives. For 39 years, that's what we've been doing. And 35 of that has been married. And our life is defined by service. My wife's life was defined for many, 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 many years. 29 actually because one of our children got extremely sick. And for seven straight years, my wife's life was in a room caring for a sick daughter. So 29 years, we had children in our home. That defined her life. Our life together was defined by the body of Christ, serving God's people, praying for God's people, laying down our lives, hosting things in our home. Our life was defined by advancing the gospel of Jesus Christ. And I want to get into this tonight and help you understand God's purpose for your life. Have you ever asked yourself the question, what is God's purpose for my life on earth? God has a divine purpose for your life. God has a mission for you. And this mission, we're going to get into this in the weeks to come. It shapes our entire lives. It fills us with purpose, vitality, meaning. Whether you're single or married, God has called you to a missional life. This life has determined, it, it is the lens through which I make every decision. It shaped how I spend my money. It shaped what I spend my money on and what I don't spend my money on. And that's God's gospel truth. <clears throat> my 
all my decisions, where I lived, who I chose to marry, how I chose to raise our children together with my wife, what kind of churches I'm trying to build, and what kind of believers I'm trying to train and raise up, all determined by the God-given mission found in the Word of God. I would like to show you a verse in 2 Corinthians chapter 5. Many of you may know it, many of you may not. Some of you are probably going to have to wrestle with it. But I want to share it with you tonight because it's kind of our starting point. Paul is writing, and in verse 14, most of us know this. But I want you to think about the weight of what this means. I've been having a lot of problems with my allergies, so please excuse my voice. So from now on, we regard no one from a worldly point of view. For Christ's love compels us, draws us on, urges us forward. Because we are convinced that one died for all. Christ died for all. Therefore, we who have come to him have all died. Remember what I shared last week? Galatians 2.20. I have been crucified with Christ. Nevertheless, I live. Yet, not I myself live, but Christ lives in me. And the life that I now live, I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. doesn't mean I just live by faith. I live by faith in doing what God now has for me instead of living for myself. Then here's what he says. And he died for all that those who live, that's us, we're alive, should no longer live for themselves, but for him who died and was raised again on their behalf. Well, that would be nice to X that one out of the Bible, some Christians think. I like that love of Christ stuff. Let's talk about that. I like that grace stuff. But you mean, you mean to tell me that my life isn't my own anymore? Of course, maybe you've not known the verse that you've been bought with a price that you are not your own. You are not your own, therefore glorify God with your life. Well, how do you glorify God with your life? What does John 17 say? John 17, Jesus said, I have glorified you on earth by doing what you told me to do. Can you say that about your life? Honestly, can you look in the mirror and say, Lord, every day I get up my intentionality and consistently, not perfect, consistently I am doing what you've told me to do. I am striving to accomplish what you've left me here to do. I am teamed with others striving to do what you left me here to do. Whereas Christianity is a rock, just kind of another nice, maybe a little more uplifting social club for you. <clears throat> Why are you living? Why are you living? Boy, the scripture is so clear here. We are not to live for ourselves, but for him who died and rose again on our behalf. <clears throat> So what does it mean? See, what does it mean? The Bible gives us all the answers we need to know and understanding. Once we know these answers, we can build and shape our whole lives around our mission. I don't know if you know this, but the book of Proverbs says, where there's no vision slash mission, the people are unrestrained. 
This is why many Christians continue to struggle with sin in their life, continue to struggle with addictions in their life, continue to struggle with all kinds of distractions in their life because they have no mission. They have no burning, overriding vision. They have not yet gone to the Scriptures, grabbed hold of it when it was spoken to them and owned it and redefined their lives. And it drives us on. It drives us on. We live in a lost, broken world. Millions, billions of people who do not know Jesus Christ. And there is something for every person to get involved in. I myself, I'm going to share this a little bit. I'm with, I hate, always hate giving you a little bit before I'm going to share it, but I'm going to because it fits tonight. I'll get into this at our Unite conference. Taking New Steps of Faith, which is a title I came up with because I really think that's what the Lord wants us to do. But I've been challenged and inspired to the core by my son. 20 times now, 20 prisons he's been in. <clears throat> and his passion to continue going back. And I looked in the mirror one day and I thought, you know, Lord, I need to get involved with more broken people. I began uh, visiting <clears throat> and became an official member and took a background check to become one at a facility here in the cities that helps addicts recover. And a couple times a week I show up to meet a different guy each time, a young guy, an older guy. I pray for them every single day. I meet with them. This place needs more mentors. Every single person in this room could be one. I mean, obviously, if your mother, no, you've got priorities. But so many of you single men and women, there are halfway houses in this city. There are people who get no visitors. But you know, often, we'd rather just go to P.F. Chang's. I mean, it's the truth. Oh, we'd rather go to, you know, Cowboy Jacks or something like that. Don't, what, 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 don't, don't tell me, Mark, what to do with my free time. And I'm not telling you at all that you need to use all your free time, all the time, every single moment. You've got to be involved with other people. I'm, I'm not saying that. We need balance in our lives. <clears throat> but I'm afraid that many of us don't have balance in our lives. Because we don't understand the priority of God. Jesus was on a mission from God. And the gospel shapes that mission. John 17, verse 18, I'd like to read this to you and then comment on it. We'll be finished here shortly, so just bear with me. In John 17, and verse 18. This is actually the Lord's Prayer. The Lord's Prayer that you've heard is the Lord's Prayer in the Lord's Prayer. It's really a prayer he gave the disciples. It should be called the disciples' prayer. But this is the prayer of the Lord Jesus himself. After Jesus said this, he looked towards heaven and prayed. There he goes. He's praying now. And it actually tells us in this chapter the content of his prayer. Father, the time has come. Glorify your son. So then he goes on. He says some other things in his prayer. He says some other things. And then he says this in his prayer. As you sent me into the world, I have sent them into the world. They are not of the world, even as I am not of the world. Sanctify them by your truth. Your word is truth. For them I sanctify myself, that they too may be truly sanctified. You know what the word sanctified means? It means to set yourself apart. To keep yourself apart for a special purpose. You want to know one one of the secrets? One of the profound secrets to being effective with discipling others or as a parent? Kathy and I set ourselves aside. We sanctified ourselves for the purpose 
of raising them for God because if we don't sanctify ourselves, how would we ever expect them to be truly sanctified? Why would they want to be set apart for the purposes that they, they never saw us live for? But I've always been struck by this verse, Father, as you sent me into the world. God sent the Son into the world. He lived what we call an incarnational life. It means that he became a human being, but God was in him, and he lived before us in what we would call a cesspool of humanity. I mean, let's just be honest. The Middle East at that time was brutal. It was a brutal world in which Jesus was born into. It was not the sanitized, sanctified world we have today. Although, let me say today, we live in a very, very brutal world. We, we just hide it. We just <clears throat> sanitize it. Like abortion. It's incredibly brutal. It's incredibly violent. does great violence to a, to a baby, unborn child. But we hide it. <clears throat> but you can all relate, can you not, to the brutality <coughs> shown to Miriam Ibrahim. You know who Miriam Ibrahim is? She's a 26-year-old pregnant bride of a Christian husband. She's a Christian herself who was sentenced <clears throat> this morning to hang. And before she hangs in Sudan, she's supposed to be beaten 100 lashes as she's pregnant. And then before they hang her, she's going to be forced to give birth to the baby, nurse the baby, then they'll kill her. Islam is as brutal as Nazism. If you don't get it, you really don't get it. You drank the Kool-Aid. And millions and millions of people are suffering unbelievable brutality under its jackboot. We live in a brutal and violent world that desperately needs repentance. Desperately needs to recognize their need for God. And guess who God sent? Us. See, we're little s, little s. We're the little s saviors of the world. Salvation is not in us. The message of salvation comes through us to point them to the Savior. And for this purpose, God left us here. To be involved. To be involved. Ask yourself, how am I involved? Am I involved? How am I involved? I can't even tell you how proud I am of you rockers getting the gospel. So many of you are handing out your little track. The Rock Liberates site. 61 of you have your story on there. My wife has got her little track and her little picture and she's handing out at Target and she's handing out this store and that store. And my gosh, God is just starting to open up door after door of opportunity for her to share the gospel. And we've been praying together each day for five lost people, approximately four or five, that do not know Christ, that the doors just opened all of a sudden because Kathy has just stepped out. My wife's is timid and shy as they come, but she knows the Savior and she could do it. You could do it. Can we not lay our lives down? (laughs) Did not Jesus lay down his life for us? Jesus left the comfort of heaven and he came to earth He reached out to us, he served us, and he gave his life for our salvation. Jesus served, there are two sets of people in the world. You know, it's really only two, the saved and the lost. Saved meaning those who have come to saving faith in Christ, and lost those who have not yet come to saving faith, and they're lost for all eternity. If they die, they will pay for their own sin. 
<clears throat> and so our lives are lived to serve God by serving saved people and lost people. And if I'm not doing that, if I'm not in, on mission doing that in some ways, and we'll get into some of those ways as we go through here, I am not on mission. <clears throat> I'm not living for that mission. I'm living for myself. My life is defined by myself. <clears throat> you know, I was with a young person recently, and <clears throat> we were having a very, <clears throat> this person does not yet know the Lord, but they're very interested. <clears throat> and one of the great difficulties they have, and they told me this, we had a wonderful a lunch and conversation, was I just, <clears throat> I just can't believe in hell, Mark. <clears throat> you know, I, I believe in heaven. I believe Jesus came and died, but I just, I just can't believe God would torture people for all eternity. I just, I just can't. <clears throat> and um, so, so this is one of the reasons why Jehovah Witnesses appeal to me, because they believe that once you die, you just die. Well, unfortunately, that's not true. And let me tell you why it's not true, because we're wretched, vile, pathetic, rebellious, godless people. And justice must be done, and death is not justice. <laughs> Dying and just, well, you lived your life and you just fall apart in a casket, ain't no justice to that. This is part of the reason, I'll just be really honest with you, my, more, more people don't come to Christ. They don't understand the eternal consequences of rejecting Jesus Christ. This is, this is no game. This is no game. You don't have the luxury of just rebelling your whole life and doing whatever you want to other people and thinking, doing whatever vile stuff you want to do. And then you're just going to lay in your bed. You're going to die. After death, the Bible says very clearly, comes judgment. You'll be judged for every single thing you've done if you do not know Christ. <clears throat> Jesus didn't come to Christ just because, well, he wants to take us to heaven. There's no wrath of God poured out on Jesus if we just die, and that's it. We just die. He took hell for us. He was crushed by the Father. The Bible tells us it was God's pleasure to crush the Son. And all of God's wrath was poured out on the Son of God. So it wouldn't have to be on us. But here's the thing also to remember. Hell is your choice. And God's for you. God tells us way beforehand, this is what's coming. This is the reality. I sent my son. All the work is done. Please receive him. And all your life, he's working on your heart. He's leading you to Christians. How many times I've talked to people who have not yet known the Lord. And they're like, yeah, you know, my aunt was praying for me. My cousin, they shared the gospel with me. God said somebody in your life. He wants to use us. He has us in somebody's life, you see. And we're going to end with this verse in Mark chapter 10 and verse 42. <clears throat> Profound verse that Jesus shared. It's a passage that I go over often. <clears throat> when the ten gathered together, and Jesus was with the twelve disciples. He called them together and he said, You know that those who were regarded as rulers of the Gentiles lorded over them their bossy. <coughs> They command them around. And their high officials exercise authority over them and treat them like slaves. But this is not the way it should be amongst you Christians. Instead, whoever wants to be great among you must be your servant. And whoever wants to be first must be slave of all. 
For even the Son of Man, me, Jesus Christ, did not come to this earth to be served, but to serve, but to serve and give my life a ransom for others. Can you serve? Are you a great servant? Is it your passion to serve others? Do you take opportunities to serve? Your gifts and abilities, do you use them to serve? Can you serve the little children? Can you babysit? Can you help a neighbor? Can you serve your brother and sister in Christ? Will you? Are you too busy with your own things? Boy, just think, brothers and sisters, this is something we need to think about seriously. Jesus came to serve. Jesus came to accomplish the will of God. And God sent him here on a mission, and God leaves us here to continue the same mission. To serve lost people, to serve saved people. The Apostle Paul put it this way, Though I am free from all men, I have made myself the slave of all men, that I might win as many as possible. Servants, that's what we're to be. Our mission is to this world. Our mission is to be lights in this world. Let me ask you this question. When you go to work every day, most of us here, you go to a job. Now we have a number of mothers. They also get up every day and go to a job, but they live with their job. And those little children see them every day. Do you think little children are going to be impressed and won to Christ by a grouchy mom? By a harsh mom? By an overbearing mom? By a discontent mom? By a grumpy mom? By a whiny mom? You know the answer to all that is no, but let me ask you, so how do you go to work and do your job every day? Some of you are engineers, some of you are teachers. Some of you are industrial workers, some of you are construction people. We have all kinds of different jobs. When you go every day, do you bring the attitude that you would want if you were a mother to your own children? Are you a light? Is there a vigor in your service to the lost people that you're dealing with? Most of them are lost every day. How do you deal with them? Do you serve them with an energetic enthusiasm knowing that, you know what, Lord? I'm here 40 hours a week and I'm going to make it count. Do you pray for the success of your company? Do you pray for your fellow workers? Do you see yourself, Lord? You have me here as a missionary and as a servant to these people. If you don't, then you'll never stand your mission. And it's part of the reason why there's sort of a mundaneness to your life, why there's no lift to your spirit, because you've not yet been captured. You've not yet understood what your life is about. We're going to continue this for the next couple weeks, and I'd really like to invite you back because we're going to talk about the missional married life, what that looks like, missional single life. We're just going to get into this whole thing, and I hope when we're done that you'll embrace it and you'll go after it because it is Without question, biblically, God's will for your life. Father, we thank you tonight that you called us to such an extraordinary life. I've I've so many times learned in my prayer time, even with my wife, I've just, with tears, recalled what I would be today if it was not for Jesus Christ. If you had not changed my life, if you had not redirected my life, how selfish, how carnal, how pathetic my life would be and the hurt and the pain that I would have deliberately caused to the lives of other people. Your mission, Lord, your calling changed my life. In turn, it changed the life of my children with my wife as we teamed up together. 
in turn, it has affected the lives of hundreds of other people's lives. I ask you, God, that you would imprint on our hearts the mission and calling of God and that we would be people who live missional lives. In Jesus' name, amen.